Movie Film Studios, the only podcast that takes you inside the mind of two film studio executives as we unravel and then re-ravel the best that Hollywood has to offer. I'm Isaac. And I'm AJ. And this week we teamed up with Tchaikovsky to reboot a beloved family tale of a piano-playing prodigy and his friend who journey into an English boarding school to battle horrific demons. But before we get into something new, it's time for something old as we check in on our last feature in Box Office Report. Now, last episode, we released the uh, drama, like the, the horror... Historical murder drama, thriller? Yes. Uh, Eine kleine Nachtmord. Which means uh, a little uh, bit of night murder. A little bit of night murder, which was about uh, uh, Mozart, wasn't it? Yes. yes. We, we cast Mozart as a perfume-style serial killer. Yeah. How did that go? A box office sensation. Yes. In a way where... No one expected this. Yep. But some unread journals showed up. Oh. Um. And suddenly you have like the Smithsonian and the uh, Vienna uh, museums. Yeah. Started actually testing the the musical, the yeah, actual musical me? instruments. Now Mozart's instruments. Yeah. Like they tested the ivory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were ivory, and of course, okay, obviously, yeah. it's sad for the death of the the elephants that were made. Yes. Um. Beethoven's piano, on the other hand, had some. Not definitively human remains, but unidentified remains. Really? Yeah. Um, Tchaikovsky's magic flute. Also, uh, they could. They, Are like, you kidding me? This is this is definitely human um, human yeah, yeah. material. Not sure where it came from. Yep. Suddenly, it, it's, it's become clear that a lot of these historical composers may yeah. or may not have been. Serial killers. killers. Are you kidding me? And um, people are accusing of us of sped- spreading fake news because yeah. we may be trying to look, make sequels yeah. to this. Yeah. And, you know, these historical... <laughs> like, w- there is no such thing as Tchaikovsky's actual magic flute. <laughs> flute. There is no such thing as the Vienna Museum for Mozart's yeah, pianos. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But, you know, there's there's news articles out there. I can yep. direct you to the websites yep. of, you know, where these definitely real uh, uh, articles are <laughs> and they're definitely not... Um, uh, mass media hysterica, uh, hysteria trying to, trying to drum up um, so you're kidding. funds for our sequels. So this yeah. is like the first time that Hollywood has produced a film with elements of truth in it. I mean, supposed truth. <laughs> supposed we'll, we'll, truth. We'll find out whether, you know, it was all a publicity stunt later on, wink, yep. wink, uh, <laughs> after, after people have already bought their tickets. See, so. you, you know what I smell in this? You know, you mentioned like documents and manuscripts and this and that, National Treasure 5. Yeah. Yeah, that's our next sequel. Because we already made National Treasure 4. Yeah, we, we rebooted it. Yeah. It was just called National Treasure. But now yeah. we're going to call it National Treasure 5. And it's going to be about <laughs> chasing down historical documents and manuscripts from famous musicians and oh, composers. I think it's a great idea. All right. On to this week in trailers. And first trailer for you today is Green Book, starring Vigo Mortensen. And oh, I'm going to get this name wrong. Mayashala Ali, I believe is his name. Yes, that sounds about right. And I apologize for any butchering of that. He, um, <laughs> The only thing I know him from as being, he was in House of Cards. I believe yep. he was the, the owner of like the, the ribs... Um, joint, which yep. uh, was frequented by the the main character in that yes. uh, particular series. Yep, and uh, this film's directed by Peter Farrelly, who you may know as one of the Farrelly brothers. Yeah, I mean, with a, a title like Green Book yeah. and, a, and a director like Peter Farrelly, you're like in the book the the film title doesn't actually tell you anything about the film. Yeah, uh, you would expect a something about Mary slash Dumb and Dumber <laughs> style uh, <laughs> stupid caper. It is possibly as far from that as yeah. you can yeah, get. Yeah. Uh, so still, I mean tiny elements of comedy but they're comedy with regards to the characters themselves but this is mostly a drama about a a, a famous jazz pianist called don shirley 
uh, who sort of had their prominence in the, I want to say, 20s 30s, and 30s, 40s, yeah. yeah. Uh, and who befriends a, a sort of New York... Uh, Mobsterish like mobster kind, kind of guy. I think he's hired protection as, yes. as the the pianist uh, travels around the the south of America, yeah. uh, playing concerts for the the rich white people. Yeah, um, is met with racial uh, uh, tension and um, uh, vitriol, and then hires this ex mobs mob man to yeah. to to protect, protect him and him, drive yeah. him around. And it's sort of like a reverse driving Miss Daisy kind of thing. Yeah, they form this ridiculous sort of uh, like charming. Uh, a friendship yeah. that sort of uh, transcends um, the the racial divide, which is which is I mean the primary reason for Viggo Mortensen's character to be there is because of the racial divide and yeah. and in bringing them together with that uh, exactly. they sort of form this friendship. Yep. It looks really really Super good. Super good, yeah. Like just in a way that I was not expecting whatsoever. Uh, it's it's incredibly well acted. Vigo is pulling out one of the best accents I've ever. I've never heard him actually act in his own accent before because in Lord of the Rings he was doing some kind of like uh, it's semi- the generic American is what you, like, most yeah. of the people go for and those sorts of things yeah. um, but he's originally uh, he's, he's like a, Danish he's maybe? Danish I think yeah um, and you, you hear his interviews he's very soft spoken and yeah. very sort of calm and has a bit of a Scandinavian accent in this one it is full blown New York yeah um, he's yeah, and he pulls it off like because he's car- the 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 way that he speaks and that doesn't fit in with the South, which is where the film is set, yes. is a point of contention between the characters. Yeah, and if they're going to bring it up that it is, you know, his accent is something notable. Yeah, you have to pull it off re- really well, and he does. Yeah, and it just it just seems to work. It, it works really well because there's a nice um, uh, sort of relationship between the two. Uh, Mahasa- Mahashala's character is very. Uh, I guess proper has sort of knows the upper echelons of society uh, and sort of conducts himself in a way that's very like not high strung, but like fancy and, and yeah. uh, you know, man of the moment, I guess. Whereas Vigo's character is very like rough and tumble. Can't really write either. He sort of, there's a bit where they show him writing letters to his wife and he's just writing. Like, I think one of the lines yeah. was like, you remind me of a house. Uh, Can I just say as well, he's writing back to his wife who is Linda Cardellini. Yes. She's shown up as like the wife of the protagonist um, yeah. in probably about four or five different trailers yeah. this year. Yeah. Uh, she's filling that role that, who whoever used to fill that role? Uh, oh, Ju- Judy know. Greer. Judy. As, as, as the, as the, <laughs> She's the, still going. Yeah, it's uh, like it's it's a Greer versus Cardellini standoff at the moment. So Cardellini has uh, her role as Hawkeye's wife in um, one of the Avengers films. Yeah, I think. sure. Uh, and then you've got Judy Greer, who's consistently playing the divorced wife as divorced well. Divorced mum Jurassic, in Jurassic, Jurassic World, World and, and a couple yeah. of other ones as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, she can act. Give her, like, a meaty role, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, so anyway, see that later this... Well, pretty soon, actually. Sometime in in September. I I very, very much expect you to be seeing um, those, those people at the... At the Oscars this year, I Probably, think I think yeah. they'll both get nominations yes. ju- just based on the trailers. Their performances yeah, look it's, fantastic. It's quite a good one. Uh, on to slightly less good ones. <laughs> we have fresh from the minds of Walt Disney and his studio is The Nutcracker and the Four Realms, uh, based on the Nutcracker book, uh, the sort of classic children's book, and Tchaikovsky's uh, very famous Nutcracker suite. So you say famous children's book? I didn't know there was a. I mean, yes, I, yeah. I assume there's the story that uh, Tchaik- of Tchaikovsky's opera. Mm. Uh, is that was it the story first, and then the 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 opera the the <sighs> or was it the other way around? I think it's the other way around. I'm pretty sure. So okay, 
the, had a, the Academy is telling me that the Nutcracker and the Mouse King, the yep. story itself, was written in 1816 by E.T.A. Hoffman, right. estimated oh, yeah. time of arrival Hoffman. Uh, and the suite itself was composed by Tchaikovsky in... Oh, yes, you're right. It was based on the book. Okay. Oh, there so you go. it was... Uh, See, this this yeah. film, though, doesn't... To me, again, the, the trailer's very... Uh, doesn't give a lot about the story. It seems like they're telling the story of a woman who was in the ballet yep. and then how the ballet was actually kind of like telling the story of a real life adventure that this person went on. Yep. And now the daughter is going on the same adventure that the mother is like this, like Christopher Nolan layers upon <laughs> layers of like inside the, the, um, the mind of the people who created the yeah. ballet. And it seems very loosely based on the Tchaikovsky ballet yes. um, of the, not, I would say the same name, but I don't remember the the four realms. It's just called the Nutcracker. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and so this is another one of those Alice in Wonderland style. Yeah, I think that well, the Maleficent was the other one they were yep. talking about. Beauty and the um, Beast. Beauty, but this Check is this is there. just like just gross, gross it's CG, yeah. bad. Um, you, like I, I feel as though all they do nowadays is just put people in green morph suits. Like, don't, don't even bother with costumes because yeah. we're just going to CG the costumes exactly. on. It's, uh, it's it's the ultimate goal of Disney to just be able to get an actor's face and then CG the rest of it because that's the kind of style they seem to go for. It's this. Which, like, I mean, it's exactly what they did for Helena Bottom Carter as the Queen of Hearts. And yeah, it's just like we we just had her face. That's all we needed. Yeah. Everything else is fake. Yeah, this looks very much like those bad Tim Burton Alice yep. in Wonderlands, where it's like, look at this beautiful world of imagination that we created yeah. by shooting everyone on a green screen and yep. doing it all in CG. And we couldn't get the rights to Alice in Wonderland. What do we <laughs> go for? Some other out of um yeah, out yeah. of. Uh, Creative Commons or whatever exactly. it is. Some uh, kind of some other beloved some other beloved story. Uh, I know that we uh, we currently reside in America and we're American movie producers, but um, as far as I'm aware, the Nutcracker is relatively well known in American circles and sort of with American kids as a Christmas uh, thing. Sure. In our home country of Australia, we we I've no idea. I've never seen the Nutcracker. I don't know the story at all. So I'm guessing that this film is going to make a ton of money. In America, when it comes out, probably not so good around the world, though. Yeah, uh, maybe in Russia. I think it isn't. I feel like Tchaikovsky. Maybe I'm just, con- just conflating the the fact that he is Russian with the story being Russian. I believe the basic story is that a Nutcracker, which is also something that growing up I've never had a, a toy soldier yeah. where you put a nut in its mouth yeah. and you crack it. Again, it's just a weird like. So the toy soldier falls in love with a a, a toy ballerina from a jewelry box, and yeah, they have think, an yeah. unlikely romance. That sounds. About I don't right. know how Disney's going to spin that out into a two-hour <laughs> CGI film, but I don't know how. But you know, there's going to be merchandise. With, um, so Helen Mirren, Kira Knightley. Yep. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman's Richard in E. Grant. What yeah. is he doing there? They're they're really loading it up. And then uh, the main character, I didn't recognize initially until you realized that she was in a whole bunch of films uh, five years ago when she was twelve. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, holy moly, she's this seventeen year old kid who was in the Twilight Saga yeah. and Interstellar, Interstellar as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, going back to Richard E. Grant, I mean, how what how does Disney cast these things? Do they go back and look at like his filmography and look at like with Nail and I and think, yes, he's the perfect actor to cast in our like big budget CGI. He's a great actor. Don't get me wrong. But like, how does someone like that get cast in a big budget Disney film? How many of those people that we named do you reckon actually had to do an audition? I have no idea. Do you reckon Keira Knightley, Helen Mirren, 
uh, I, uh, Morgan Freeman <laughs> actually had to show up and do table reads to see if they got the part. I'm or- sure Kira Knightley has some kind of contractual thing because of Pirates and her, the fact that she wasn't in any of the other sequels. So they probably had to get her back for that. Helen Mirren, Morgan Freeman, I don't know. I, I have no idea how. They must have just wandered onto the set. Yeah. And Well, I mean, it's green. They probably thought they were on the set for another <laughs> film. Disney's like, yeah, 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 it's that film. And then they just shot them uh, and uh, just comped them into whatever. They've I wouldn't got- be surprised if Disney actually owns uh, a fully high-detailed CG render of Kieran Knightley's face <laughs> and they can just use it for whatever they want Probably. now anyway. I think they're just collecting actors' faces. Anyone that wanders into the studio one day, they don't even have to go into the no. sets. As soon as they walk through like the, the big gates of Disneyland, they get facially scanned and then that's it. That, like, it's like, oh, who are we gonna- is that me as an extra <laughs> in the background of this film? I don't remember. Oh, no, I did I did walk up to the security <laughs> desk at, uh, at Disney yeah. uh, once and they must have just put me in just their database somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, and to finish off this week's episode, something with uh, possibly a little bit more quality to it, uh, Slaughterhouse... Is it Slaughterhouse? Yes, Slaughterhouse Rules, starring... Well, according to every film article out there about this film, it only stars Simon, Simon Pegg, Pegg and Nick Frost, uh, but it also stars... Ace of Butterfield. Ace of Butterfield. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen, and is directed by a newcomer, actually. Yeah, so both the writer and the director of this haven't done that much before. Yeah. This very much feels like a Hot Fuzz very much feels like Attack the Block. Yeah. Those sort of um, uh, high-budget indie um, horror, uh, English horror sort of... Yes. uh, The basic premise of this one is that while uh, like a a fracking operation opens a giant sinkhole out the back of an English private boarding school um, and deep buried within that sinkhole is some sort of evil monstery demon, yep. which then terrorizes the people who are in a not too far off boarding school, yeah. whose uh, headmaster seems to be Michael Sheen, and one of the teachers is uh, Simon Pegg. Yes, and uh, Nick Frost sort of plays a, a janitor, I guess, or a groundskeeper out yeah. in, the, uh, in the grounds. Uh, and basically, it's about a ragtag bunch of. Uh, British school kids who go up against this monster. Yeah, it doesn't really get too deep into what the no, monster no, no, is. No. I, I get the sense at some point that um, uh, Michael Sheen might be a vampire. It's kind of hinting at at some point, yep. reprising his role from Twilight, <laughs> from probably. Twilight. <laughs> um, and also from Underworld. I know he played a werewolf in Underworld. That's oh, my bad. Close um, and there, there seems to be like these Harry Potter overtones in the school yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure if that's for comedic, comedic value or if it's an actual like a hierarchy of, yeah. of the boarding school itself. It comes from a pretty good pedigree. It looks like they're trying to emulate the uh, directorial stylings of Edgar Wright. um, Wright. Uh, And I don't know. It looks like a lot of fun. The cast seems like they all gel together and and make a nice kind of, uh, yeah, ragtag group of of kids. Uh, And some really fun gags. The classic kind of like childish screaming at at things and yeah it could be a lot of fun a lot of like little witty one-liners as well where there's a bit where uh, michael sheen's character sort of uh says to the skoda referring to like the german car yeah um skjorda i think it's swedish isn't it i uh, could be i mean i'm I, pronouncing it skjorda and putting like an umlaut <laughs> over the o so i kind of felt it's a little bit more foreign than I, german but... i they, they're owned by volkswagen so oh, there like, you go. yeah i don't know um but uh, yeah then there's like a, a monster is attacking them and he's just sort of saying now make sure you put on your seatbelts everyone and then yeah. they sort of head off and I like you know what that's kind of fun I like a good like it's very British very to, British to not, kind not of thing yeah act uh, inappropriately even exactly. in the face of uh, impeding danger yes so. yes exactly impeding uh, impending impending probably. Uh, but so, you know danger can impede as well so <laughs> let, let's just you know the jury's out on whether I said that right or not good 
right. Uh, yeah, see that later this year, October. Uh, Halloween, actually. Is yeah, it, it is uh, a Halloween out, yeah. specially kind of one. Yeah. Um, I actually think I like the Halloween special release movies significantly more than the yeah. Valentine's Day ones. No, I do too. There's certain holidays where I'm like, these are good fun films. Yeah. And certain holidays where I'm like, this is just You know what's great? Crap. Because you can put whatever you want on at Halloween. You like, know what you can, can put be... on at both of those times? What? Is Shaun of the Dead. Because <laughs> it's both a romantic comedy and a zombie film. Good point, good point. And that is this week's trailers i guess yeah um, but of course before we can do anything with those we're gonna to have to take a little walk over to the green room let's go All right, so we have a racially charged buddy film set in yes. the uh, historic American yep. uh, setting. We have a uh, CGI reimagining yep. uh, of a <laughs> classic, classic piece of tale. ballet yeah. opera. Yep. And we have a, a high-budget indie British monster uh, adventure. Yep, great. Uh, here's my pick for this week as it is my turn. It's got to be the Nutcracker. Um, Disney has has got the like market cornered on like adapting old fairy tales and old stories and reimagining them into something whimsical and crazy and CGI ridden. Uh, and I feel like that's a market that we really haven't capitalized on before at movie film studios. So if, even if you look at like Snow White and the Huntsman, right? Yes. That's like this weird thing where also had Nick Frost in it. Yes. As, as did Attack the Block. Yes. He's, he's everywhere. He is everywhere. Um, uh, it's a weird, like everyone knows that sort of very Disneyfied version of um, of Snow White. Yep. And then they go and make this film, which is just like, no, this is like throwing knives and yeah. hunting and yeah. evil, murdery, sorcery yep. sort of stuff going on there. Have you ever... F- also notice that those films tend to come out at around about the same time. So, uh, for instance, The Jungle Book, uh, Disney made a, a live action one relatively recently. And then Warner Brothers followed it up with an announcement that they were making their own as well, directed by Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis and is doing looking it. quite terrible. Uh, so, because I think because these stories are either in public domain or uh, available um, outside of Disney's control. You can basically take whatever one you want, whatever one of Disney's like old animations you want, and just do like an original version of it instead. Yep. So, I mean, what I what I also admire with Disney with this one is that you haven't only just taken the Nutcracker. Yes, they've also put in the end of the four realms, yeah. which is they're like, well, now we're going to go into this ridiculous fantasy world yes. where we can um, have these yeah, yeah. ridiculous cinemascape. Yep. Uh, landscapes and lots of weird creatures and beasts and yep. have wars and fight them yep. and everything like that, which was just like, that is not the Nutcracker by any stretch of exactly. the imagination. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, even if there's the tiniest hint of uh, a bigger world in the short story or a, a hint of like a big battle or something, they're going to absolutely like capitalize on that. So I feel like if you take, uh, let's see what film, like something like Bambi, right? Yes. Um, now, I, I don't know if Bambi was an original. Yeah, Bambi, I think you may have picked the one original. <laughs> I don't think it was a grim fairy tale. I don't no. think it was Hans Christian Andersen. Oh, damn. Uh, uh, is there a, like, a lesser-known Hans Christian Andersen? One of those guys who wrote a lot of fairy tales <laughs> that we can just sort of like... Or operas. There's lots of sort of operas going on that are based on... Uh, there's got to be something else, right? Is there is there another... Old poems? Poems? Epic poems? <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about Beowulf. Or the, they actually did Beowulf. They did Beowulf, yeah. Gilgamesh, that that's another one as well, Gilgamesh. an epic poem. Oh, uh, man. 
Yeah, what what else is what is else is out there that we can just see? Because the take only, for our own. the only poet I know is T. S. Eliot, and his stuff is far too depressing to do as a big budget CGI. Is there an Edgar Allan Poe film in here? Not the Ooh. John Cusack like sort of semi biopic. Yeah, but is it like inside of the world of the Raven? Yeah, inside of that sort of dark, depthy, yep. like you know his his macabre sense of. So we could do the Raven, but like it must be like the Raven and. The something. Yeah. So we expand the world. So I, I've read The Raven before. It's been a while, but there's only two characters in it. It's the bird and and the guy. And, I mean, I say I've I've also read... No, I've seen the, the Simpsons special <laughs> where they... I think we but should... The Simpsons one is like very accurate. I mean, like, it is. It is the poem, right? It's, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much... the Raven, nevermore. It is pretty much the poem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically uh, he, he talks about, I think, the death of his wife, Eleanor. Yeah. Uh, and then he's sort of haunted by visions of her, which is exacerbated by this the the cawing of this raven that's sort of somewhere in his chamber. Um, yeah, is so, there is there anything else? Like, I mean, the only other one that I know is again a Simpsons reference with use <laughs> the Telltale Heart. Telltale Heart. Yeah. Um, is I, th- I think what we'll do is we create this um uh alternate reality yep. ca- called a Nevermore. Yes, and and it is like all of that sort of dark macabre. Yep. Um, Edgar Allan Poe inspired yeah, world, yeah, yep. and this person who's perhaps like learning about Edgar Allan Poe gets yep. sucked into Nevermore. Yep. And they have this sort of raven who sits on their yeah, their their shoulder and sort of guides them through yep. this fantastic world, which is just just done in it's, green screen. Yeah, but it's super dark as well. Yeah. So it's nothing like Disney's version, which is syrupy and full of like saturated cotton. No, ours is ours is grim. Yeah. Uh, the only the only saturated color there is sepia tone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, I like this. I like the I like the name Nevermore as well. And we should also call it like Nevermore Productions. I think so. It actually reminds me a lot of Neil Gaiman, and I think yeah. he, he has a thing called Neverwhere. But we there's won't also, get into that. There's also Pottermore as Pot- well. Pottermore. So I mean, it's sure. Why not? Yeah. I think we can probably get Neil Gaiman on board to help write it because a lot yeah. of his. If you read the the Graveyard Book and some yep. of his other stuff, it's it's very Carline, yep. yeah uh, Poe inspired. Yes. Very dark. I kind of like it. I think he's the yep. perfect person to I get mean, on board. Do you think we? I mean, he's he's quite a, a sort of renowned resource these days. Do you think we could get Neil Gaiman, or do we need to find? I, I think. His, I mean, I, all, we, all we have to do, all we have to do, is pitch him this idea, yep. and he will be there really? with, his, <laughs> with his skinny jeans yep, and, and his and, and tie, like a, a dark feather quill as well. Yeah, exactly. That's what he writes with, <laughs> and his typewriter. Uh, okay, great. So let's. Okay, so we'll get him on board, but we should give him. A general kind of overview of what's meant to happen in this. I mean, is it going to be like a trilogy or a collection of films, or do we want to just have one film where something happens in it and then it's resolved? I don't know. I mean, I think we can do that. Like, like Alice in Wonderland yeah. has this sort of like you know they go th- she goes through there's an adventure and yep. she gets back to reality. But then later on, Alice through the looking glass, she's yes. sucked back into this world. Yeah. We were discussing uh, off mic a little bit about the the Chronicles of Narnia, yep. which are very much the same thing. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, they go through, they have their adventure, and they come back. And then sort of a couple of years later, some of those same characters are sucked into the world for another adventure. Yeah. Yep. Nevermore becomes this place yes. like Narnia. It's like a hub. Yeah. Where, where there is there is adventure to be had there yep. um, at every t- turn and call. But there is at some point, once the adventure is resolved, those characters are returned, returned to back. 
the real yeah. world, never knowing whether Nevermore will come calling again. Yeah. Rat tat tatting at the window door <laughs> or whatever the. So, what do we make our central character Poe then? So maybe this is where Poe gets his. I mean, I know you mentioned not going sort of biographical before, but maybe Nevermore is the place where he gets his stories from. I, th- I think, but I think we don't set Poe as a main character. Okay. This is this is a modern world character who yep. is reading the works of Poe. Yep. Going, oh look at this, you know, the mind. Where would he get his ideas? Yeah. And then we realize as we get drawn into Nevermore. Yep. Um, there there was this character called Poe yep. who came through there a hundred years before and changed the landscape yep. of the world. And ah, we learned okay. that that was Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, so Poe was like a native of Nevermore. Or possibly, or possibly, actually... possibly the first human to ever get sucked in there. Yeah, and, okay. and so you have this sort of like this clash. Between, I like this because yeah. it's shades of Jumanji. It's also shades of like that Winnie the Pooh film that's coming out. Yeah, uh, in a few weeks' time. I think Winnie the, that Winnie the Pooh film very much goes. Oh, Christopher Robinson, in the Thousand Acre Woods. Yeah. But what's more interesting is like animated teddy bears running through the streets of London. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we go the other way. No. I think actually, again, the word never is probably getting there. It feels a little bit never ending story. It also feels like um, that. It also feels I- like Hook. In the third never-ending story, I'm pretty sure all the rock monsters come into the real world <laughs> yeah. and, and, it's, and may also have been on Halloween, and so everyone thinks that they're costumes. Um, maybe we don't go there quite so early yeah, yeah. with this, the first installment. All right, so... Okay. All right, so we're going grim. I mean, as grim as the Reaper. It, <laughs> is, it, it, it is so grim. It is so dark. All right, so let's, let's outline what's going to happen in this first story. So we start with a reader. They're reading the collected works of Edgar Allan Poe. Exactly. Something happens and they get sucked into this world of Nevermore. Of Nevermore. Yeah. Uh, once they're in there, though, I, they need to meet. Like this is the classic stories that they always yeah. meet. The Mister Sumness, the guide, yeah. the guide who who shows them the world. Yes. And then things go askew. Things yes. go awry. Yes. Uh, and there's you. I mean. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but usually there's this whole kind of like there was a prophecy and someone was meant to come from the outside and yada yeah. yada. I mean, this is you know the last time someone came through, it was Poe. Yes, and they set things in motion. And Poe said that you know the only way that this this will be undone is when the next person comes yep. through. And this uh, is the okay. next person. His, his, I, I like the idea of the the Raven as being potentially not 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 necessarily the Mister Tumnus, but like the the someone who sort of sits on their shoulder yep. Yep. and is a sort of cawing in their ear and sort of whispering in that sort of very perfect. Yep. Uh, okay, here's the here's the plot then. Uh, I've got a plot for you. So what if the world of Nevermore was ruined for generations after Poe came in there and stole the stories? Stole and wrote the them stories, all down right. And, Great. And sort of released them back in the real world. And so since then, since the evil dastardly Poe came through, the world of Nevermore has been nothing but grim, dark, deathly. Always winter and never Christmas. Exactly. So Poe, by going there and like taking the stories for himself, cursed Nevermore into eternal blackness. Yeah. So, I mean, like the the raven was never, a, it used to be a canary, but oh, after right. the curse came through, it became the most God-fearing uh, evil bird you can think of, which is the raven. And that's, so everything turned into post, maybe Poe was like a, like a, an, an old wizard or something like that. And he actually I, I was actually like, thinking, I'm fairly sure Edgar Allan Poe's like the original emo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe like, maybe Nevermore had like no depression, no sadness exactly. ever. He came in the first ever like depressed, sad person ever and just cursed the world. Yeah. And from that point forward, it's been nothing but black, uh, nothing but fringes over people's eyes and <laughs> nothing but... Dark eyeliner. Yeah, exactly. Um... All right, so, and now, our new kid, our new reader, should they be, maybe they're also, like, 
emo and depressed as well and that's why they're reading poe because it's like yeah and the world this doesn't understand me. me exactly like i mean i wish i, wish I was around, in, yeah. i wish i was in this world of like yeah. edgar Allan poe the book just says come on in uh, yeah. and then they get sucked into nevermore and then the raven like talks to it talks to this person and says things weren't always like this uh caca 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 um yeah so so i mean if that's the case then uh how how does the protagonist sort of overcome that because we want to set nevermore up as a place that you can revisit yes so i'm not sure that they can ever like really truly truly cure that place yep. of being um of being this sort of depressed wasteland yep. filled of brambly thickets <laughs> of black thorny vines and yep. um cracked desert scapes of yeah, yeah, dried yep. mud or whatever <laughs> whatever the kind of images you get from those po books are yeah yeah uh okay Mm, this is an interesting one so what if it's about like trying to re-establish a balance so not trying to get it back to so maybe um the world of nevermore was always kind of on a curse anyway so it either was too happy or too yes like, maybe maybe that's the thing maybe they blame edgar Allan poe yeah. for doing it but he was actually trying to establish a balance because it, between, it yeah. was a bit more sort of like Wizard of Oz sickly yeah, sweet. exactly. And and he's trying to go, no, we need to normalize this because this is not acceptable behavior. Yep. And he's tilted the scale in the opposite Way direction. Way too far in the opposite direction. So maybe our new reader has to be convinced that uh, the world needs to be balanced and in turn will balance their own emotions as yeah. well. It's weird this is the first time we bring up Oz because as a story where a protagonist goes into an alternate reality, yep. do all of these alternate realities exist within and of themselves? Is there an Oz? Is there an Anania? Is there a Nevermore? Mm. And there's all this there's this tenuous balance between all yeah. of these. So when one of them's up, the other one's down and yep. there's this sort of like link between them all? Or can we not get the intellectual rights <laughs> for, for all of those different places? <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know what we can get the intellectual rights for? Like the works of H.P. Lovecraft. That's true. Like, why don't we just jam that in there as well? I think maybe we'll introduce H.P. Lovecraft in one of the, the like, part twos of this sort oh, of yeah. story. It's a post-credit sequence. Yeah. Uh, that, oh, yeah, where, where you just see the tentacle. Of little, Cthulhu, like, yeah. just, like, creep out from the side of it or just poke its head out of the ocean or something. And then, like, we've established that Nevermore also exists in the same universe as the crazy creations of H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. Uh, okay, but we still need to sort out what this story is going to be about. Uh, okay, so sense of uh, rebalancing it. Um, the Raven is all about, like, we need to rebalance it back to where it was, uh, and you are now our only hope. You're the first person to enter Nevermore in 250 years. I don't know how long Edgar Allan Poe has been dead for, but yeah. like, I'm going to assume quite a while at this point. Um and uh, it's only you. Like, you are the one that are most like Poe. And that's why you've been brought into Nevermore. I think we can introduce ideas of, of writing as well and the imagination. Yes. And and using using the power of words yep. and poetry yes. and descripting to, to, to affect change within the world. Yep. Kind of in the way that... I don't actually remember specifically what books they are where you know you, you get sucked in there's a John Candy film where he's a screenwriter yep. for a soap opera and he gets sucked into the world and yep. he has to type his way out of it in this sort of way Adaptation where, was one of those yeah as well. sure um, I want to think Pagemaster Pagemaster yeah possibly that goes animated as well like it's a kid that falls into a book in a library and it goes from live action to animated yeah so in that sort of way they're, they're using um, the, the poetry and prose to influence the world around them to yes. their own effect and then I mean we don't really need the story so much you look at Alice in Wonderland it's a, a series of short little 
little encounters between yeah. weird and random characters. Yep. We have, you know, some sort of Cheshire Cat style character. Yep. We have some sort of Queen of Hearts style character. Yep. And they're all sort of macabre and, you know, one's got a goat's head. I, can't, <laughs> I don't know anything about <laughs> the works of Edgar Allan Poe, but I feel as though that sort of like... Does not matter. Yeah. Like that's, we just need to jam in enough references in there to like get people across the line in terms of it being an Edgar Allan Poe story. But here's what I think we should do, right? So if um, if the magic of this world comes from writing, so our, our protagonist needs to be like an aspiring writer as well. Exactly. Yeah. And all they've been writing is like their emotional thoughts in their diary, right? Yeah. They come into this world with their diary uh, and everything they write in there sort of comes to life in Nevermore. Yes. So, so of, oh, this person actually has to face their literal emotions. Exactly. Like that's the confrontation that they yes. have to, they have to fight, yep. fight off with the, at the but end. But the end journey is trying to find the exact like paragraph or the phrase that they need to write in order to set things correct because yeah. they don't have the power in them to come up with that uh, sentence or paragraph yeah. in their own um, in their own way. They need to journey to like the center of Nevermore to find the sacred scroll with the one like paragraph, one paragraph to rule them all. Exactly. <laughs> one paragraph to bind them. Um, that's how we should do it. And the best thing about this as well, because all the magic is done just by writing in a book, uh, we don't have to spend all that money on like complex VFX. Like, I, I like disagree. Should... No? I, I think the entire thing is overly complicated VFX. <laughs> just okay. these, these landscapes, that, the landscapes which are shot in, not shot, but rendered in soft focus. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you doing it in soft focus? <laughs> like you can do it in infinite focus. It's a CG render. Um, but everything, everything is just uh, stupidly expensive great. for no reason. All right, can we also do, because I liked, um, I saw... I mean, I saw one of the Avenger, the latest Avenger film, and I haven't seen Doctor Strange before, but I really like the way that they have that like sparkly, sparkler, sp- fireworks style of uh, yeah. magic. Can we also do something like that for when they're writing? Yes, yeah, I like that. The other thing that I really want to bring in, you remember the Spike Jones Where the Wild Things Are? Yes. I, I like those sort of creaturey kind yep. of like things as well. But I think not, I mean, we can't do puppets like they did. No, no, it has to be full blown CG. Full blown CG yep. that looks so real that you think they're puppets. <laughs> That's how much money we're going to spend really? on Really? Okay, so gonna, you're actually going for like a realistic look? We're going to spend so much money <laughs> that you like, it just would have been cheaper if you made them as puppets. <laughs> but like, you know, we, we deliberately went CG and we yeah, spent. Yeah. We spent more money than it would have cost if we'd done it practically to this make it great. look like practical You know what's effects. good about this too? We only need one live action actor. Yeah. So this is how we can save our money. We we only hire an actor. And they're going to be young too, so we don't have to pay them that I think, much. I think it's a female character as well. Yep, perfect. Like, like it's, it's got a hark to that Alice in Wonderland, to that um, then let's, uh, Dorothy Gale. Yep. Let's uh, just cast Mackenzie Foy, who plays the princess in the Nutcracker film, or the whoever she is, uh, the main character. I think it's probably... It's like casting... Mia Wasikowski or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't just rip them from from one film into the other. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we've, we've got never done that never before. Done that one before. <laughs> oh, we've got to pick someone who was like a, a child actress a child actor, yep. and who is now sort of on that sort of like seventeen to nineteen uh, age range. Ah, uh, what's the one from uh, Super Eight? Elle Fanning. Ellie Fanning. Ellie Fanning. Yeah, that's, she's actually that's a really good casting. I yeah. like that one because I think she's around about nineteen yeah. or so now. Sure. Uh, there's oh, there was also uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. We put her in a film recently. Did I we? don't yeah. remember exactly what that was. I think Ellie Fanning's actually Ellie Fanning's pretty good. pretty yeah. good casting for this one. Great. Um, she's our um, she's uh, a really Ed, good actress yeah, as well. So, just not even I would say surprisingly good, but like she, I think she was uh, young Dakota Fanning in I Am Sam. Yes, which were like she was like less than six months old when she was in her first <laughs> film. So um, yeah, she's got some pedigree in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. I really like yeah. that. And, and then it, we just need to cast voices for the rest of them because it's all gonna. Be 
be CG. Exactly. Like I'm sure, like the moment the script is written, either Helen Mirren's and Morgan Freeman's right, yeah, and yeah. Kira Knightley's will yeah. come out of the woodworks and just go, yeah. "We're not going to audition. We're just going to be in this film." Beauty and the Beast got Ewan McGregor to play Lumiere, and he's doing the worst French accent I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. They got Ian McKellen to play the clock. Oh wow! Yeah, like just how? How? It's because these guys are like we can get paid an obscene amount of money to go into a recording yeah, studio yeah. for a day right, so, rather so, than spend six months on set <laughs> like with grueling conditions having to get up every morning. Yeah, we need the ultimate actor then to play the Raven. So the the actor that like would be impo- like you just would not suspect would be in that film because they usually are of a like I, I'm thinking like Jack Nicholson because he's like the actor that would never ever be in a Disney film Ever. yet all these other actors that you think would never be in a Disney film tend to be in Disney films I like so I really think Jack Nicholson is the, is the guy is the raven I think there's only one other character I think we should cast and yeah. that is probably Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> yes because uh, yeah, yeah, I, okay. I feel as though even if it's just sort of shot in flashbacks yep. or it's shot in um, he, he's got a I think he's got to be in that film as well mm-hmm. um, he, who who looks like Edgar Allan Poe? He's an interesting character. Uh, oh, who's coming to mind? I suppose in a lot of ways, like most of it would be most of the flashback stuff would be a young Edgar Allan Poe. Yep, I don't think Edgar Allan Poe was ever young. <laughs> he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that was ever really that young. Uh, I'm just giving you a visual description of what Edgar Allan Poe looked like. Uh, who does that look like? Sunken eyes and a dark mustache. And- yeah. Well, the mustache is easy. We can um, we can CGI on that, that onto some actor. Actually, looks like a little bit like Anthony Hopkins, but Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins is way too old. Doesn't matter. Um, Does not matter. I, I think I, I'm. You know, I think we've spent so much of our CG budget on these um, animals yep. that uh, well, we, we can't afford don't. to. Yeah, de- someone a bit de- younger. Age Anthony Hopkins. I think, I mean, Eddie Redmayne's way too sharp-faced. This is a bit of a doughy-faced boy, this one. That's right. Um, we just say, I mean, Eddie Redmayne's kind of a method actor, Jack right? Black just played R.L. Stein. <laughs> oh, we can't have him playing another <laughs> another horror author. Yeah, no, we can't. Uh, uh, who else does he look like? You know, it, Tom Hanks? Again, Tom Hanks is way too old. I think you kind of forget that. Yeah, he's... Like, he's, he's white-haired Tom Hanks, even though most of the yeah, characters right. that he plays. Who's in that, in that mid-range there? Um, oh, uh, that looks like Edgar Allan Poe. I just think anyone at this point, <laughs> and any actor that you can name to get us out of the hole here of not being able to name actors. Ewan McGregor. I think that's not a bad idea. Ewan, yeah, Ewan I mean, McGregor you... as Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. And then we have uh, Ellie Fanning as... As uh, our, like, reader, writer, yeah. emo... And then, and then, any all the most famous actors you've ever heard of coming out to do, to <laughs> to do, do voices, voice work. Yeah. Jack Nicholson as the Raven, um, Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep, in, yeah. anyone who's been won multiple Mer- Oscars. Meryl Streep needs to voice multiple characters. I in think that Tom film. Hanks is probably in there as a voice as well. <laughs> he absolutely is. Uh, we also need to get Chadwick Boseman yep. in there because he's Sam, super Sam famous Rockwell's right now. in there as so, well. Uh, yep, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, actually, Chadwick Boseman's in a Disney film, so he can't be in it. Uh, that's fine. I'm, I'm sure we can get as many people. We'll get Vigo and. Um, oh, Vigo uh, for sure, yeah. Vigo with his like new New Yorky accent, yeah. Um, Mahershala, yeah. Uh, Ali, put him in um, there. before you know, before they're so hot commodities from their, <laughs> their Oscar wins on Green Book. So, can we also give them like the same relationship in our film as yes. well? Just, yeah, definitely. Like, just a little bit of like, I can imagine like um, 
uh, like an, an old school jazz pianist in, in this yep. sort of uh, Edgar Allan Poe world where yep. the, the piano is slightly out of tune and yep. it sounds a bit... So, oh, no, here, okay, here it is. The pianist and then the piano is actually Vigo. Oh, he is the piano. So, yeah, he's like a cursed man who's been turned into a piano and he's been cursed to have. Yes, that, that famous Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> story about the cursed piano. <laughs> It's 100% a story. All right. Uh, <laughs> I think the last thing that we need to come up with, because it's not just the name for this film, which we yeah. do need to come up with, but also a name for like the series, the yeah. Chronicles of yeah. Nevermore. Which, yeah. I mean, it just sounds a bit too much like the Chronicles of Narnia. We yeah. need another word for Chronicles, like the... Um, uh, the collected stories, the tales of... Well, omnibus is like a collection omnibus, of stories. The, yeah. like, is, is there a collection of... The, is it the Nevermore Omnibus? I like that. Yeah. That's great because you know what's good about it? Omnibus does not roll off the tongue Not at all. all. And it's just like the kind of devilish trickery that Edgar Allan Poe would be absolutely renowned for. Uh, So the Nevermore Omnibus. Yeah. Part one. Quoth the Raven. (laughs) Quoth? Quoth the Raven. (laughs) Quoth. I say quoth. I thought it was quoth. Quoth the Raven, Nevermore. Nevermore. All right. Yeah, great. So (laughs) the, the Nevermore Omnibus, part one. Quoth, quoth the raven. Sure. Great. Uh, <laughs> coming soon. Coming s- tomorrow. Uh, so, right. I think that's a wrap. I think so. Housekeeping, as per usual, we are online at moviefilmstudios.net where you can find all of our previous episodes, our bios, and of course, Mafuzawadada our database of films that we've created on this podcast. Search Facebook for Movie Film Studios and join the community where we post clues as to the trailers that we've watched in upcoming episodes. This one? Uh, mm. Green Book, easy enough. Slaughterhouse yep. Rules. Rules spelt with a Z on the end to make it extra sort of like teen angsty. Yep. Nutcracker will be in there. I'm sure there's an emoji yeah. for a Nutcracker I'm sure because there's... Americans love them. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, we are, of course, on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and any other place that you get fine podcasts from. And if you happen to get bad podcasts from a place, we'll probably on there too. Yeah. So go for it. Uh, and I think that's it. All that remains is to thank you again for listening this week. I've been Isaac. And I've been AJ. Roll credits. Roger.